Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. If you want to build a business as a consultant, you must listen to this episode with consulting genius Patrice Davis. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarne. Patrice Davis is an amazing woman and the creator and founder of Grants Works, a grant consulting company that helps businesses, organizations, and municipalities find, secure, and manage government and foundation grants. She has over 13 years of experience in the grant writing space, and her company has applied for and managed $131 million in government grants. <laughs> but last year, she discovered another passion she can do dynamically well, <laughs> and that is help you become a consultant and find your way into the space where you can make money off of the expertise you know and love. Mm -hmm. So today we are going to dive into part two of our series with Patrice Davis. Mm -hmm. And we're going to specifically focus today on the consulting space. Mm -hmm. So Patrice, thank you so much for coming back to the show yeah. and now sharing with us how we can make this money yes. as a consultant. Yes. <laughs> so the first conversation we had was the bomb. If you guys didn't listen to it, go ahead and listen to part one, especially if you are a business that could benefit from grants and foundation money, okay? AKA free money for your biz. Mm -hmm. But today's episode is for that entrepreneur who is looking to monetize your skills and expertise mm -hmm. as a consultant. Yes. So Patrice, I did a little bit of research Mm -hmm. And before um, we met, I found out that the consulting space is a billion dollar business, yes. almost like a hundred and thirty billion dollar business in mm -hmm. the United States, to be yes. exact. Mm -hmm. And it is a space where more and more people are getting into this every single day day okay mm -hmm. especially 2022 to 2023 the industry grew by three percent yeah so today i want to talk about how in the heck do you get into the space mm -hmm. and then what are the realities the challenges the money that mm -hmm. people can expect so if they're even thinking about it mm -hmm. they can have everything they need to get started yes. so i know a little bit about you already because we had this conversation about your Jamaican roots yeah. and how you came here to blossom into an amazing grant writing guru. Mm -hmm. But I now want to know, how did you go from grants to finding the inspiration and the desire to create an accelerator program, mm -hmm. uh, ready, set, go consult? Like what was your aha moment for that? You know, my aha moment happened when I realized that it took me two years to figure out what tools I needed to run my consulting business, make sure I had, um, you know, things like proposals, emails, um, you know, how to operationalize a business. It took me two years to learn that. And I knew that there were other people who had the same um, drive, skills, expertise, and wanted to maybe monetize that expertise, um, but didn't know, um, number one, how to launch a consulting business. Number two, they didn't want to spend two or three years doing the research that I ended up having to do. Um, and, you know, I knew that there was a way I could help people 
accelerate their launch. And if they already have a burgeoning consulting business, I can help them scale their business because I was able to figure out how to do that in the second year of my business. Um, and uh, so and I also kind of came up with after thinking through my journey, I came up with a an approach that I knew was uh, that could be duplicated um, my approach. And I won't go into that now really, really focuses on um, as our conversation uh, about grants um, was about really telling that story, um, but then making sure that your story is relevant to your prospective clients. And what does that mean? Really positioning yourself um, and being comfortable positioning yourself as a thought leader, because when you do that, then you are almost attracting clients to you uh, because they feel a little bit more confident about your expertise. And it just helps remove that that one of the roadblocks to being able to make that sale. So I do want to be clear, like consultants can be two different ways. There's many different types. So let's kind of break down Mm -hmm. that definition because I don't want to assume everyone knows. Mm -hmm. But out in the industry, you can consult on IT. You can consult on Mm -hmm. operations. You can help people with strategy. You can Mm -hmm. do financial consulting. Mm -hmm. And my husband is in the information technology space and he Mm -hmm. works for a consulting firm, right? Yes. So Mm -hmm. he's in one of those big four firms that Mm -hmm. goes out and consults for other businesses. Mm -hmm. So in your definition of consulting, what Mm -hmm. is someone doing? Mm -hmm. And are you helping accelerate people to being the consultant for a firm? Or do you help people become a consultant who's independent and helps other companies? What's your preference? Excellent question. Thank you so much for making that distinction. So yes, what Aquania is saying is that we know about those big four, right? We know about the KPMG and the PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, that's where my husband is. (laughs) So so I know PwC. (laughs) Exactly. We know about those two. Those are two of the big four. And those, um, those are, of course, management advisory consulting firms, huge firms. You have Bain, you have some of the other huge, huge multinational firms um, and they go in and they help um, companies, t- primarily midsize and large companies, um, solve problems, address an issue. Um, but then you also have independent consultants. And that's what I'm doing. I'm help. I am an independent consultant. I knew that I had expertise on on not just writing grants. Actually, my expertise is really managing government grants complying with government grants. And so um, I d- launched an independent consulting company using that expertise. Um, and that is the expertise that I use to deliver solutions for my clients. So um, for example, if I, there is a nonprofit that received their first government grant, it's a $2.5 million government grant. Um, they may have had foundation grants in the past where they submitted one report and they were good. With a, with a government grant, now they have to make sure their financial management systems are straight, their policies, procedures are in, intact. Um, and so what we do is we come and help them basically modify their processes. Um, we help them identify solutions and modify their processes so that they comply with the grant, um, that they don't get in trouble, they don't have a bad audit report, and actually probably be able to get even more grant funding. So as an independent consultant, whether you're an IT or maybe you're a healthcare professional or even an educator, my goodness, educators um, are, you know, educators can do so much. They can work, they can be a consultant with, um, with uh, you know, companies that, uh, 
educational publishers. Um, maybe they can uh, be a consultant with instructional design. Maybe they can be a consultant with the the um, the, the school district that they previously worked at. Um, so there's so much one can do to use your expertise um, and then figure out how to package that into a, a, a set number of services and then deliver those services. Um, there are ways to customize your expertise for certain clients. And after a while, you may learn that there are certain uh, services that you can uh, turn into a product and then you can actually sell that product so that you're not having to customize every single service that you offer. So um, those are just some of the things to consider um, uh, about um, becoming an independent consultant and what that looks like. Yes, I love that. And I love how you said eventually customizing a service. So mm-hmm. you're finding your niche and mm-hmm. then you make that what you offer everyone, right? Exactly. Or your target audience. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. In doing my research, I found on Google that mm-hmm. statistically, if you're a consul- consultant, you could make mm-hmm. on average $7,000 a month, which is about 85000 a year. Mm-hmm. But there are some consultants out there making as much as $16,000 a month, which is mm-hmm. closer to $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Is that what you've seen in your experience with helping people in your accelerator program or even as a consultant yourself, have you been able to see those ranges in income? Um, You know, I was able to see that. I have to tell you, I was able to see uh, close to $200,000 y'all in my, not the first year because I started my business in January, 2020, but by the end of 2021, I was almost at $200,000 a year. I was doubling my, my income as an employee where I made a little um, over a hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't mind putting that out there. Um, So um, so there is, depending on number one, your pricing, and I do make sure that in our the folks in our accelerator that they don't undercut themselves and undervalue the services that they have to offer. Um, I help them, of course, figure out who, what is that target market that's going to pay for your expertise. Um, so yes, one can make as much as you know, as you know, I've, you know, the seven thousand. But sometimes you can have a six figure um, um, engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, you know. I won't go into to my specific numbers, uh, but I, I $200,000 is probably maybe on the low side. Um, you can really have a seven figure consulting business. Um, and that's my goal <laughs> to have a yes. seven consulting business yes. um, and maybe even multi seven figure consulting business. When you consider especially the work that I do, there are not that many um, people out there that specialize in government grant management, government grant compliance. So think about what my market looks like. And I, I'm using this as an example for that person out there that maybe is in IT, but maybe their specialization is in cybersecurity or a certain industry in cybersecurity. Do you see how I'm taking it from a broader industry to, a, a, you know, narrowing it down a little bit, but then even finding a way to even narrow that down even further. So if you're in IT, but you're in cybersecurity, but maybe you specialize in cybersecurity for universities, there your market right there. Wow. You know what I mean? Has, yes, you broke that down. <laughs> and girl, let's claim it. That's seven figure, multi seven figure yes. consultant business. I'm here for it. We're yes. going to throw a party. I'm from Atlanta. I'm always willing to fly home. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I agree. I always tell people the greatest way to increase your revenue is to raise your prices mm-hmm. or to raise your prices and find your real target audience. Right. And Absolutely. there are people out there 
who are at a position in their business where they need your help and they are mm-hmm. willing to pay the price that mm-hmm. you are worth. Yes. And undervaluing your services is mm-hmm. what I see so many entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. including myself when I got started, mm-hmm. do all the time. Mm-hmm. What tips do you have as far as the confidence to charge your worth? What do mm-hmm. you tell some of your students when they're struggling with, should I charge a hundred dollars an hour for this? And you're like, girl, yes. you're going to make them $2,500 an hour. Why are you charging a hundred? So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. What, what's the mindset you need to mm-hmm. charge your work? Well, first of all, um, you need to be very, very clear on what your value is coming into this industry, period. What is it that you've accomplished for your employers before you even decided to launch your own business? Really, one of the things we do in the third week of that program is we really have people do a really deep dive into all of their skills, their experience, their expertise and their knowledge. I'm talking write three, four, five pages, however many pages it takes, because by the time we finish writing, you're like, wow, I did all of that. I really do have a lot to bring to the table. That's number one, knowing exactly what you bring to the table. Number two, find out what your target market's pain points are. So you don't want to know how to deliver a service. You're trying to figure out how to deliver a solution to their pain points, right? So when a client comes to me and they say, we're having issues with XYZ grant, I'm not looking just how they manage the grant. I'm looking at the process that got them to that. And then I'm helping them address that process. So now you, now you're not just delivering a service. They see you as a solution and a part of almost a part of, um, their organization's capacity building initiatives or goals. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the second thing. Number three, Make sure that, um, you know, when you think about your pricing, not just the time, but the value you bring. As a matter of fact, I always tell my students, even the ones that are um, um, charging hourly, don't charge by the hour. Because what you're really doing is, in, in my opinion, you're basically harming yourself. Because if in year one of your business, it takes you 10 hours to deliver a solution. But by year three, you're getting better at it and you're charging either either the same rate or a little bit more, but now you can complete it in five hours. You're cheating yourself by sticking to that hourly rate. Charge by the value that you're bringing, that um, that your solution is bringing to the company. Um, there are instances where a company where a person may want to, um, you know, ask you to lower your prices. Don't lower your prices. Lower the service. Not once they lower, lower the service, but maybe offer to them. And I, this has happened to me. Um, uh, you know, this was a guy of Stanford PhD, you know, this, you know, COO of this big, you know, med tech company. And, um, I don't know what he thought or who he thought uh, I was, but I, by that time I was very clear about the value that I have, um, and I can, I can deliver. But what he, he basically kept trying to have me lower my prices. And then my response and the response I recommend for anyone is, um, in order for us to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish, this is the price. This is what it would take. Um, and if you want to lower the price, and then maybe what I can do is take out maybe these two or three parts of the deliverable so that now we're lining up with the price that you want to pay. Um, but of course, in order for, and, and make sure they're clear though, in order for them to get to that target, to get to that goal, they're going to have to, of course, um, um, pay you what you requested. Um, I have to also point out really, really quickly. One of the things he said, well, you know, I checked and, you know, the people in this industry are making X, Y, Z. And, and I, then of course my retort was, well, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, my retort, it was all went really, really well. Obviously, you know, this person became a client. We ended up doing great things for them. But my retort was, 
But I bring to the table not just my experience working at, let's say, XYZ University. I've worked in universities. I've worked at the federal government. I've worked for small nonprofits. I've worked in large. So what I bring to the table um, is you, you really can't compare that to a person that's in this industry, you know, to a person that's actually um, working as an employee in this industry. So um, just, just different ways to make sure that you are um charging what you're worth and then sticking with your prices and never backing down. In other words, the price is the price. The price is the price. <laughs> the price is the price. <laughs> and yesterday's price is not today's price. Exactly. So I, I love that. And I've heard different perspectives. So I'll present here mm-hmm. another um, mm-hmm. alternative that I've heard because I asked this question mm-hmm. to someone last week, actually. Mm-hmm. And they said to me like, oh, well, if you are going to negotiate or change your price, just know that you can only negotiate the profit you've built into the price. You're not able to negotiate this, the bare cost that it takes to provide the service. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is as a business owner, I hope you all are doing this. When mm-hmm. you create a package for a potential client, you need to include the profit you want to make off mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to actually do the job. That's mm-hmm. your labor. That's mm-hmm. the supplies. If there's printing or something involved, you got to add all of those things up. Mm-hmm. And that might be the cost to do the project, mm-hmm. but then you need to be a profitable business. So mm-hmm. if your profit is 10% or 20%, then you need to add that on top of that mm-hmm. cost to do the project so mm-hmm. that when you decide to do a friendly discount mm-hmm. or a let's get started, the first three months will be discounted. Mm-hmm. You are only discounting your profit. You are not eating the cost. Okay. That is super point. important because mm-hmm. we are not here to work for free and mm-hmm. you still have to pay your team. Yes. You know, if you are mm-hmm. someone operating in that team space, which mm-hmm. I encourage entrepreneurs to do, Mm -hmm. then you need to be able to pay your team and Mm -hmm. you have to understand that you cannot compromise other people's money just for one client to come Mm -hmm. through the door. That might not be your client or that might not be the client that needs to work for you right now. Yeah, I've had to tell people, look, if you can't do the package right now, Mm -hmm. we can always revisit in six months and see if I will be a better fit for you then. I can't Mm -hmm. promise you the price will be the same, but I can definitely promise you that you can plan for me. And I do agree that there are businesses that can plan or Mm -hmm. save for the consultant they want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. doing what they do well and Mm -hmm. saving a portion of what they make to be able to do that project. Mm -hmm. Now, what is your uh, advice on how to retain and get repeat clients? Mm -hmm. Because in the consulting space, if you are independent, you are, I don't want to say living project to project, but you are dependent on businesses requesting your services. So what are some tips to help retain those really good clients? Excellent. Um, so one of the things that I typically do is, um, so if a client, a prospective client um, comes to our company and they say they need A, B, and C, um, what I try to do is make sure that um, A, B, and C, all, C always leads to a potential D and E. Um, and so, of course, I give them exactly, you know, when it's time to make sure we um, deliver the deliverables, they get exactly A, B, C, A, B, and C. Um, but I also uh, sort of always make sure that they're aware that there's a possibility that we can 
enhance on what we've delivered by, of course, uh, providing, you know, what that next stage is. Um, one of the things that I also recommend people do, and then please be very, very cautious when you're doing this. I'm very careful about doing this because I've realized um, how much of a time, uh, how much time it takes to do what I'm about to recommend. There are some instances where there are requests for application, requests for proposals or requests for quotes that are coming to you all the time. And once you be, once you start to establish yourself in the industry as a, a consultant, um, you start to get, you constantly are getting RFPs, RFAs and RFQs um, sent to you. Be very careful about the one you choose um, and then be very strategic about what you actually submit for, right? And you're looking for those that are going to give you at least one year or maybe two years or three years um, of a contract and really think about um, how competitive your proposal will be um, before you actually pursue, uh, before you actually spend the time it takes to prepare a proposal or a quote or an application. So I do think people should be open to those opportunities because many times those are longer term. Um, and, and so obviously it gives you opportunity to plan and, and have really solid projections, revenue projections over the next one, two, three years. Um, so that's one one thing that I typically and, and you know I'm trying to think about my my particular experience. Thankfully, an opportunity like that came to me exactly a year after I launched. Um, an RFA came to me, um, but I'm going to tell you how I got that RFA. An okay. RFA came to me, and thankfully, I'd already done some work in in 2020, so I had a very strong proposal, and that led to a one-year engagement, which turned to a two-year engagement. Um, and so I was really happy for that. And that was a my first six-figure um, contract. So um, just be on the lookout for those, be prepared for those. It kind of goes back to what we've talked about a few times, Aquania, being able to tell your story. Uh, <laughs> and so um, so that's something to, to consider. Now, the reason why that RFA came to me out of nowhere was because in 2020, when Things were just in flux. We know what was happening in 2020. I decided to put myself out there um, and host a lot of free webinars on federal grants. Not a lot of people are doing webinars on federal grants. And so that's how people started to learn about my business. I put myself out there. I got over myself, decided that, you know, in order to actually, you know, sell, you have to promote. And as a result of all the free webinars I'd been doing, someone heard about me and sent me an RFA. And you know what that RFA was for? It was to develop a federal grant management training series for a federal government agency. <laughs> and you were like, I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned to be turned out to be one, it, obviously the biggest project I've had. Um, um, and I wouldn't say obviously, but it had turned out to be the biggest project that I had. They came back the next year and said, oh, can you do this in Spanish, too? <laughs> so, OK, yo yes. hablo espanol. <laughs> yes, yes. So what does that mean? That means I then ha you have to be nimble. I then had to research. OK, what are the language translation companies? What do they do? So just being able to be nimble, to be responsive and then, you know, present to them how I can deliver that um, was really was really important. So. Um, 
being nimble and responsive is is really, really important as a business owner. Um, so I'll leave it there, but I have yeah. certainly a lot more to say about that. Being nimble and responsive is extremely important as a business owner, I've, I have found. I like that. So being nimble and responsive is great, but I kind of want to go back to another point you said, which is mm-hmm. being very strategic in mm-hmm. what you apply to, mm-hmm. because not every request for a proposal is meant for you, and mm-hmm. it does take time to fill mm-hmm. these out right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important because getting in the wrong relationship can be a time suck too. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a real question. Mm -hmm. If you've never experienced it, it's totally okay. But in your honest opinion, Mm -hmm. what are some tips for firing someone? Meaning Mm -hmm. I need to get out of this consulting relationship ASAP because it's not working. What do you recommend we do? So I have had one experience um, uh, like that and the, what I did was, um, you know, of course, early in your business, you want to take on as many clients as you can. Um, you want to get that experience. Um, this particular client, I learned very early on that they required a lot more handholding than I was able to, um, that I, I was comfortable um, um, providing. Um, but I stuck with them because I cared about the work that they do. Um, but then after a while, I realized that the handholding was really, really um It was just, it was becoming very problematic for me. So what I ended up having to do was um, basically terminate the relationship. Well, basically, I just didn't renew. I didn't terminate. I didn't want to terminate on them. I wanted to make sure I saw it through. I did everything that we needed to do. We ended up working together for a year and a half. But that last six months is when I realized, wow, this isn't the best way for me to be spending my time. Um, And basically, I told them I was going to be redirecting, you know, my business. And I really was actually figuring out how to change some of my services. And, um, and so that's what I ended up doing. I, I, um, decided not to renew the, the engagement, but, um, that is definitely one example where it just wasn't a, it was just, they were, they were starting at a point point where I couldn't help them. They needed a lot more work to get to the point where I could really make my contribution and our company's um, solutions for them um, really benefit them. They really couldn't benefit from it because they were starting from, from um, uh, they were at a certain point where I think, you know what I mean? They were just needed a lot. Yeah. More, um, they were support. at an earlier stage than they needed to be before working with you. Exactly. Um, and we talk about that in our, part one of this series. So please listen to part one where we talk about grants because I also did ask the question, like what part of your business do you need to be at before you come to Patrice? So Mm -hmm. there are definitely levels to this and Mm -hmm. there are probably consultants out there who would have helped them at the beginner stage. So definitely, definitely um, check out part one of the show Mm -hmm. and let us know what you think. This has been awesome, Patrice. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise Mm -hmm. and really helping me understand more about how to get the grants that you need to run your business and then how to turn your expertise into a consulting business. Mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. Please don't stop and keep going because Mm -hmm. that seven figure business is right around the corner. And I know that you are actually helping people create their consultancy businesses right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, Before we go, can you tell us a little bit more about your accelerator program? What's Mm -hmm. it called? When is it happening again? Mm -hmm. And let's go. Yes. So the name of the accelerator program is Ready, Set, Go Consult. It is true 
truly a consulting business accelerator. I would even call it a consulting business incubator because some people come and they're like, I know I want to be a consultant. I know I have all this expertise. And so I'm helping them figure out exactly what that expertise is that their target market wants. I even help them to figure out what their target market is. It is an eight week program. It is a live group coaching with me every Wednesday at 12 noon um, for an hour and a half. So we take a deep dive into everything you need to do to build, to launch, and to scale a consulting business. Um, so I have workbooks. I have, um, I have every week, I have a 40 to 50 slides um, deck. Guys, I don't play. I'm in government grants. So details are what I do. So you're not going to sit there and just look at a screen, uh, look, look at pictures on a slide deck. I have information. I have details. My workbooks are the same. Um, the activities that you complete in the workbook, of course, are what gets you to that next level. Um, I have great testimonials. So to answer your question, the next time we're going to be launching is we, our next cohort starts April 5th. Um, and so we're basically going to open the doors on March 8th. And for that, you know, four week period, we're basically going to um, make sure that we're available to answer folks questions just in case they want to know more about the accelerator. But just yeah, but you know, trust and believe on Wednesday, April 5th will be the, the, the first session of that eight week um, accelerator program. I, I love what I'm doing because it takes me out of that grant space um, and I'm working with people and I love doing that. Um, and so um, I'm looking forward to some folks in your audience reaching out and, um, and, and maybe joining our accelerator again, ready, set, go consult.com. Um, we have an ebook there. You can get, if you want, we have a free masterclass you can get if you want, if you want to learn a little bit more about me and about um, the accelerator. Awesome. Don't worry, guys. I will make sure to include the links in the show notes mm -hmm. and make sure that you have plenty of time to sign up for the next cohort. Mm -hmm. Patrice, thank you so much for being on the show today. Are mm -hmm. there any other websites or locations on social media where people can find you and connect? Let us know now. Sure. So, um, so yeah, Instagram um, at Ready, Set, Go Consult. Um, and of course, LinkedIn, I'm all over LinkedIn. I have a ready, set, go consult page on LinkedIn, a grants works page, federal grants simplified. Um, and, um, so yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, y'all, um, follow me on Instagram. I'm always, you know, sharing information on, um, how to be a successful consultant. So please link up. I love it. I love it. Yes, guys, check out the show notes, connect with Patrice, do all the things. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get the grant money this year. We're trying to get the consulting money this year. Yes. And we have given you in part one and part two of this series, all the tea. Yes. So you guys need to what? Take action. And that's yes. all I'm going to ask of you today. Take action. Wherever you're listening, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with friends and family and anyone else who needs to know. And don't forget to leave a five-star review so that other people know how much you appreciate the show and they get to see it too. Mm -hmm. Until next time, guys, keep building generational wealth. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you'll have all the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep building generational wealth.